I plead with the Odolia and I plead with Syntac to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, thank you, Ruth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for feeding us, Lord, in that mysterious way that you have just done, Lord. And Lord, as we feed physically, Lord, we also feed mentally on your word. And Father, I pray that um, your word will be open to us afresh this morning, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, draw close to us, we pray, Lord. We need your presence. And Lord, as we open and look at this passage today, Father, just shine your light, Lord, into our hearts and minds, that we may get to know you um, in a deeper, Lord, more intimate way. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't remember why I came up with this passage. It must be in the lectionary, is all I can think. So, But... Um, a nice passage. I like the letter of Philippians. Philippians has got sort of joy written all over it, really, all the way through it. It's a, it's a lovely little letter. And Paul loved the Philippians. He really did. Um, they were, it said in verse 1, they are my joy and my crown. So, you know, he formed this church. He was part of their journey. So he loved them with, with all his heart. And, and this really does come through. But here we read of... Eodia and Syntica, who'd had some sort of quarrel. Oh, we don't, we're not told what that quarrel was. Could have been major, it could have been quite trivial, we don't know. But Paul here doesn't take sides and didn't particularly try to solve their problem. Paul simply told them to be of the same mind in the Lord. You know, these two women had forgotten that they had a greater common ground in Jesus. Jesus is our centre. We've just sang that earlier on. 
Jesus be the very centre and the most important aspect in all our lives is that Jesus is the centre. I love that, that, you know, we can take our eyes off, can't we? I don't love the fact we can take our eyes off the focus, but I love the fact that Paul here is just saying, you know, just get back where it sh you should be. You know, the Jesus is, is what binds us, is what holds us together. And it, it, when I was thinking of this, it just came to my mind... Um, a few years ago, I think I've probably told this story again before, but I was doing an even song at um, Downing Street, you know, the proper, you know, the even song from the Book of Common Prayer, all robed up and all, it was all that to be done properly for the people that came. There was probably about a dozen people that came, and this would have been about six o'clock on a Sunday night. And as I was going through this service, it's a set liturgy. And as I was going through, I could just see somebody in the congregation just really agitated. And I thought, what's, what's going on? I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I, I couldn't get it. I thought, have I done something wrong? You know, Have I got something on my cheek or something like that? And, but I just knew the whole of the way through this, what, 40-minute service, that it was disturbed. And it came out at the end of the service that we'd forgotten to light the two candles on the altar before the service. And he just couldn't get past that. That, was, that ruined the whole thing for him because I didn't even notice. And hopefully the other congregation didn't, but he did. And it was a major thing for him. And I'm thinking, oh, flip, you know, it's all about Jesus. You know, it's all about Jesus. And it just reminded me of it when I was thinking of these two women. So hopefully they got their issues sorted and listened to what Paul said. But here it goes, you know, about recorded their book uh, names are recorded in the book of life in chapter three um, they worked alongside with clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life surely that is our greatest privilege and greatest honor that our names are written already before creation began actually are already written in those books in the book of life the book of life is referred to as well in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 10, verse 20, when Jesus sends out the 72, he says, go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cure everybody, and you'll go and have a ball. They all go out and come back absolutely on cloud nine because what, what they did happened. They saw people healed in the name of Jesus. Wow, that's pretty good, isn't it? And Jesus said, oh, that's good, well done, well done. But don't be pleased that your names are written in the book of life. Not that you've done that, but you're unknown. Your name's already written there. And Revelation 20, 15, part of the Bible it talks about the end times when the books will be got out. And that's interesting, because when I was a child, I must have been brought up in the end of the hell and damnation bit, and it was all like, you know, God's watching everything you do. And he's going to get out your little black book and his black book and write down that, you know, you've been a naughty girl. Oh, dear. Yeah, again. Again. How many times has my name got to be in this book? And um, so my default position is a God that, that is, a, is a judgment God. And that's not a good position to be because God is our loving heavenly father. But obviously that's something that got into my psychic from very young and, I, and obviously you know this little black book is in the bible but 
you know, who knows? It's one of those mysteries, God knows. But, you know, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a, um, a person that, where Jesus is the very centre of our being, where we've accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour, our names are written in that book forever, for all eternity. Rejoice in the Lord. Great, isn't it, that? I think we all know this chapter, don't we, in Philippians? We all know this bit. Rejoice in the Lord. Joy is just, as I say, evident throughout all this letter. The antidote to quarrelling is joy. Just joy, rejoice in the Lord. What can get in then when you're just rejoicing in the Lord? Again, I've said before, when I go to like a Christian camp or certainly New Wine and I've been soaked in Jesus morning, noon and night for a week, nothing can upset me. I'm just full of joy, the joy of the Lord. People who are very joyful, especially those who are joyful in the Lord, do not easily take offence. You know, we don't take offence. Because our minds and hearts are occupied with the loving kindness and with higher things. This is the low bit, isn't it? You know, onwards and upwards we go. It's easily, easy to be distracted by little troubles. But joy is the cure for all discord. I like this command. God is good and gracious. And he delights when we're joyful. He does. He delights when we're happy. It was always intended that we should be full of joy. It says in John's Gospel, you know, Jesus was full of joy. How could Jesus have been full of joy when he knew he was going to the cross and everybody was out to get him? Everybody was, well, the Pharisees out to trip him up. And yet he was just full of joy. Only from the Father. Only from the Father. And then this passage talks about let our gentleness be known. You know, this describes the heart of a person. You know, we cannot fight our own battles. The Lord does. Romans twelve nineteen says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So let's just our gentleness be known. Our gentleness be evident to all people. Even those that we find difficult. It's the person who is really free and really lets go and lets God take up those anxious times, those moments. That's what God wants to do. That's what he did on the cross. We need to display a quiet confidence and a gentleness of spirit. Be anxious for nothing. Mm, I know, we know that's not easy. We know that's not easy. But in everything, pray. Every area of our lives is a concern to God. From the huge things to the tiny, tiny, smallest detail. All of it matters to God. All of it. When we come into church on a Sunday and come early and sit there and pray it's those that are leading and preaching I couldn't get up here without 
that first time of prayer to give it to the Lord. Because, you know, I am anxious because I'm anxious that I, God's name is glorified. That's what the, anx- the anxiety is. Not that I might get things wrong or pronounce something wrong or, you know, whatever. Or go off peace like I always do and whatever. Lose me place in my notes and, you know, not, not that it, it's that God's name is glorified. It's that God's name is honoured. It's that the awe and respect and the holiness of God is in, in this place. That's the anxiety. And the minute that you pray and give it to God, that is taken away. Because I can't manufacture that. I can't make that happen. Only God. Only God does these bits. And thanksgiving is so important. It's so important that we're thankful. This guards against an ungrateful and complaining spirit to be thankful. It really does. You know, rejoice in the Lord and ask God about anything and everything all the time, but be thankful. And when we're thankful, the peace of God comes to reign within us. The peace of God which passes all understanding keeps our hearts and minds in the knowledge of God. The Bible describes three aspects of peace that relate to God. Firstly, there's a peace from God. Our peace comes to us as a gift from God. It's pure and simple gift. Only by grace can we enter, we sang this morning. Peace from God is grace and it's gift. And then there's peace with God. Now let's make our peace with God. This describes a relationship that we enter into. We enter into peace with God. You know, if you're not at peace with God for whatever reason, just make peace with God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And thirdly, the peace of God. This is the peace spoken of here in Philippians 4. It is beyond our minds. It's beyond our power of reasoning and thinking. It's beyond our ability to explain So therefore, this peace of God has to be experienced. Has to be experienced. And often, this peace of God comes to us when we are at the lowest of the low, when we can't get any further down, when we are so desperate, when we really are crying out to the Lord and we've given up in our own strength. We cannot take any more. That's when this peace comes. And then Paul says this lovely thing. He says, And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is good. Paul puts a lovely list together here of the things on which we should meditate. And these things are the fruit of our minds. And it guards our minds. It guards our peace in God when we put these good things into our minds. When we meditate on these things, much of the Christian life comes down to the mind. Romans 12, 2 speaks of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. What we choose to think about and meditate on matters. It matters hugely. You put rubbish in your mind, 
you get rubbish out. If the Philippians did as Paul instructed them here, not only would they have the peace of God, but the peace of God would be within them. Lovely passage of encouragement. So what is our takeaway this morning? I want to ask, what do you think about? We remember that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit and our minds also need protecting. Are our thoughts wholesome and honourable? Are they worshipful and thankful? 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Take every thought captive. And we don't have much choice in this life on all sorts of things, but we do have a choice over what we think about. We have a choice over what we look at, of what we watch on the TV, what is on our screens. How, many t- how often do we look at our screens, whatever that is, phones, tablets throughout the day. I like to use the benchmark when I'm watching something. Could I sit by Jesus' side and watch this together with him? If I could, then great. But if that would make me uncomfortable, then I don't watch it. We are set apart. We're not on the same path as the world. We're on the narrow path, not the wide and broad path. We see things differently because of God's spirit within us. This is our discipleship. It really does matter what we think about. I'm just going to finish with a a short prayer. Heavenly Father, please come and cleanse our thoughts. Enable us to think thoughts that are true and noble, right and pure, admirable and praiseworthy. And may our hearts and minds overflow with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. So just carrying on really in that theme, um, the next song is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It's a beautiful song. It might be nice to just sit and sing or um, stand if you'd like to, but to meditate really on the words. (laughs) 